This is the Acts 2028 podcast, where two young Church of God pastors discuss the challenges and victories we face in leading revitalization. I am TJ Samuel. I am Brian Seidel. I am in an urban context in Seattle, Washington. I am in a suburban and rural context in Boise, Idaho. I am in a liberal state. I am in a conservative state. My ministry background is in missions. My ministry background is in youth ministry. And yet we are both in our first lead roles. Help God revitalize the existing church in the Pacific Northwest. We are helping each other. And you. To truly live out Acts 20, 28. Here we are again for another episode. And and TJ, even though these are dropping kind of differently in the schedule, we are um, talking to each other kind of more often, right? As we're making up for late episodes and we're doing this one early because I have state golf next week. So uh, we're just, you know, working through our schedule. So we're figuring it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's always something on the plate. And, uh, you know, like we've talked about, you have to make time. You have to make a space. And so we're doing that. It might not be in the normal that we (laughs) intentionally set aside because life does change. But, um, yeah, reprioritizing, being flexible so that we don't break. That's not just a coaching analogy. That is uh, real life for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, if you're out there feeling like that your schedule is crazy, well, you're not alone because – Ours has been crazy too. So, which speaking of crazy, um, our world is crazy, TJ. <laughs> like we have um, all kinds of crazy things to deal with. And we know uh, what we're slated to talk about today is just ministry in a post COVID world. And so I, I think again, we've talked about COVID in the past seasons. We, we've talked about, you know, the fact that I am, am in Idaho and I'm in the West Treasure Valley. So even different from like our downtown city center Boise uh you know I've dealt with a lot differently you're in a very different environment up in a more urban environment in Seattle um again the state of Idaho and the state of Washington have had some uh well-documented arguments over COVID right between our governors and just kind of interesting things going on all around that and so as we jump into this to say like again like I said we've talked about COVID a lot in past seasons how we've dealt with it at our churches and but we are in very different environments right as far as how we have dealt with it in our churches and and in our communities but yet now we are to the point where no matter really where you are the reality is we are moving forward yeah and we have to I mean, I, I don't know that we know exactly what that looks like moving forward. Like, um, we may put some things into the ground that may still be amended, but, uh, you know, like we were talking about before we got on uh, to do the podcast, it was like 2019 is a year. We don't deny that it exists, but it is a part of the past. It doesn't exist in the same format that it did before. So things have gone on. Things are sometimes better because of it and sometimes things are worse and so just depends on a your perspective on where you're at in those things because i'm sure we could all find reasoning to uh, lament different things including if you're a pastor and you became a televangelist or otherwise like all of those things have changed but really to engage and to have things like what does this look like and if you're leaning into it in a positive context if your perspective is is of that nature, you can say, 
where are some of the, like we were talking about low-lying fruit or where are some areas where we can engage to make a difference? We identify a need and then how can we step into that and how are we equipped to? And so if you are a pioneer in that sense, it'll give you a new opportunity to be uh, Christians to people that maybe didn't expect that to come their way or be the hands and feet of Christ at a point of need for someone in a way that uh, they just didn't think that people would show up and even past couple years are countercultural, just being available, being, uh, you know, encouraging those things that we just haven't seen. So yeah, this is a, this is a new one. I think we're on a gradual shift. I'm hoping that we're turning the corner on a lot of these things. Yeah. So as we talk about ministry in a post COVID world, I think the first concept and you kind of already mentioned it, but I think the first main concept that we all have to accept is that we are never going back to quote unquote normal. Right. And I forget, we heard that right from everywhere. Um, you know, especially in the beginning parts of the pandemic, even when we weren't really, nobody was sure how long it was going to last or what was going to happen. And then the longer it got drawn out, the more that I think we started to realize, right, that our world is never going to be the same again. And whether that's in your community, in your church, in your family, um, just in our school systems, in our government systems, there's just everything has changed. And so that's the first concept, right, to know, to doing ministry in a post-COVID world is that know that we're never going back to 2019. And so, like you said, just it's in the past. We're going to, and we need to leave it there. Right. And we, and we need to look forward, right. To what now we are going to do in, in 2022, 23 and onward. Right. And, and yet this is a biblical concept. And I think as we look at that, you know, Jesus was talking to the disciples. And even when Jesus came on the scene, he changed everything. And in fact, that was the whole point of his, you know, mission as Messiah was, was, you know, again, a father sent him to, on a mission and he came to earth, he put on flesh, you know, he stepped into our mess, right. That we created in this world with all of our sin and, and, and everything. But, and again, the, the whole point of Jesus coming was that we would never be the same, that the world will never be the same. And, you know, Jesus addressed this in a lot of different ways, but, you know, one of the things we had kind of looked at, we had this uh, Mark chapter two, uh, kind of laid out here, uh, verses 21 and 22. And, and this is literally in the midst of Jesus having a conversation about fasting and, and how, you know, they're kind of talking back and forth about John the Baptist and, you know, these traditions and, and kind of all these different things. And then Jesus steps in with this concept and he uses two different uh, common illustrations to address it. So uh, I want to read this version of the story out of Mark chapter 2. Um, so it's starting in verse 21 and Jesus says, besides who would watch or who would patch old clothing with new cloth for the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins for the wine would burst the wineskins and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. And I mean, I think part of, you know, the part that, I mean, because, well, bring it into today's context, right? Like we didn't have, I mean, we're talking about wine. We know that it comes usually, well, let's say those that normally it comes in a bottle. It doesn't come some, I know that I've, I've been in the local grocery store and it can come in a box, I guess, and some other things, but <laughs> it came in a bottle. 
right? That that's what we will normally see in, in in this day and age. But back then, part of the context would have been we didn't put it in because it fermented, and as it did, it kind of stretched. Well, as the wine's fermenting, as it gets older and stuff like that, that's why we don't want to put new in, or it's just going to burst. So we have to have a new wine skin to go with the new wine. It's not a bottle, just for clarity's sake. Um, but those were some of the things. So we can't do those same things by using the old thing or it's going to burst, right? So that's one of the things that you were just talking about in that scripture. I was reading along with you, but I was actually reading um, the Matthew version. So if you're in Matthew, it, the fasting piece, it kind of goes from 9, uh, 14 to 17 is where it's found in, in the book of Matthew. But yeah, it it's that part and it makes total sense when you look at it that way but we want things to stay the same and let me say this like because we talk about this and there's always going to be a sports bent with this and we we're talking sports before we got on sports people are some of the most religiously tradition people like they have their nuances they will wear the same glove the same they have rally hats they have socks that they don't wash or whatever that may be they have those things that we are totally enamored with keeping the same and keeping a streak alive and tradition and those things this is counter to that and so like even in doing that i like the comforts of knowing what the variables and outcomes could be but if we're stretching if we're growing we have to do some new stuff and that's tough i mean but it's in those moments and i think i found myself in them outside of this like whether um not seeking them on my own all the time but just appointed in the sense of you can either learn to adjust with those or you're going to just get consumed and you could just could break. So, um, you know, hence the tart, the, the start where I said, uh, you know, be flexible so that we don't break. And so, uh, when you now know that you've flexed yourself out in this analogy, as much as you can, you will break. So, yeah, I, you know, and I think the reality is, as we're seeing in this post-COVID world, and and again, depending on your context, your area of the country, uh, maybe even your denomination or your affiliation, um, I don't think we've really felt it a ton within the Church of God, but again, may, maybe I'm wrong there. Again, I didn't attend a conference, you did, maybe you can ask that, but, but to say that, but COVID has, has changed, I mean, a lot for everybody in every level. And, you know, again, some have adapted better than others, um, but yeah, I think we're seeing some churches break, right? We're seeing some denominations fracture. I mean, we're seeing, um, you know, just the, the, these ripples that are just going through the big C church that of, of those that are, are embracing, you know, the, the new world we're in uh, moving forward, you know, uh, post-pandemic. And those that aren't, and I think the you know the reality is when we're talking about existing churches and about revitalization context, which obviously is kind of the niche that we speak to and that we're living in. The the reality is that more churches have closed in the last two years. Like the the rate of churches closing closing has gone dramatically up, right? As it was you know um, before the pandemic hit, and and so. Again, some, and we could argue whether the pandemic was just a catalyst, like the, well, those churches were going to close, you know, inevitably anyways, and it just sped up the process, which, I mean, there's probably some truth to that. 
But I, I think the, the other side of it, just to the point, and even the point that Jesus is making, is that some churches have died and closed because they did not stretch and adapt. And they were not willing to, you know, to be flexible. And like you said, they just kind of dug in their heels and said, nope, we're just, this is what we're going to do. And, and it was their ultimate demise. <clears throat> yeah, I feel like we've had to be super uh, adaptive. And we're in the process, like here in our ministry in Seattle, too, where, um, well, we've been talking about partnering with another organization to bring in a private school uh, here to Seattle because of those things. And our building by nature was a elementary school that Seattle Public Schools closed back in the 70s. We got it in the 80s, uh, sat vacant for a few years. But it is that part of in our DNA. If we do not uh, stay flexible, like it is so tough to pivot, you know? And I mean, I think, you know, we talk about it even in terms of churches, like, you know, there's some things, golden calves and things that we have. Uh, one thing that has allowed some of the smaller churches that did lean in during this time is they didn't have a huge ocean liner and they weren't predicated on, you know, like having to go into the harbor to create a, a U-turn. They were more of like a, a dinghy and they could pivot faster. They could turn quicker. And so like, if you're hearing this and you're a small church, then like, praise God, because I'm there. But also in the same context, like, again, that's what I was talking about leaning into some of those things. Like, you can either look at that and say, we're hanging by a thread, or you can say, you know what, we have a lot less uh, real estate, different things, you know, like that we yeah, have to red turn and hit it. To have yeah. To deal with. yeah. So there's some parts of that. Again, it, it, that's where I say in perspective, if like you look at this and you say, man, this is terrible. It's insurmountable. We don't, yeah. But again, those are those moments I was talking about. Those are the only God moments where like for me, they've also been super humbling as we come out of this. And as we have partnerships on the horizon or things like that, I can't get it twisted to be like, oh, it's about me. It's not anything that I've done. It's, it's the only God moment. The only thing that I can do is be obedient in that. And then, you know, be receptive to where God is leading us in the process. Like um, it's very humbling, but it's freeing as well, because you can say, <laughs> if this rises and falls on me, then I'm going to be one of those statistics that you just talked about, Brian. Like, that's just, that's how I feel. Um, not, not an Eeyore moment. What was me? I'm just saying like in a revitalization of a church as me doing this for my first time, um, you know, as a lead pastor, it's difficult. I mean, I've talked to, you know, people that are mentors and stuff that have been, uh, in ministry for 50 plus years and they still say the same thing. Like, we don't know. We, we don't have anything. I mean, you know, we talk about our common link of being at Cloverdale together. And Tommy's been there like, you know, pushing 37 years. If anyone knows the variables and outcomes of being in a place, it would be him. And I know that even through this, this is, and he's, he is like way, way more of a cool customer than even I am. Like I can get more uptight. And I know like these things, they weigh on us. They do. And they're, they're heavy and they're, they're, they're there. Uh, I, before I went to Boise, for those that, that maybe don't know Tommy, it's like, uh, I asked a, you know, a person from church of God to describe him for me. And they said, he'll be the closest that you meet to Santa Claus. He's a big jovial fun fellow. And, and that was the description of, of Tommy before I went to Boise. And, you know, that was, 
relatively true. I mean, like he's such a, you know, optimistic from the standpoint of like, he wants everybody to be happy. He wants to do those things and, and he likes a good time and he likes his comforts <laughs> and he likes all those things. But even those, and, and he does literally drive around and give people presents. It, this is true. This is true. Um, <laughs> so like, yeah, you and I have been on many of those, uh, those journeys. And so like, those are the things and they've changed. Right. And I mean, maybe again, like we talk in context of some of those things, they didn't change for everybody. And so again, remember, we're talking just as we would from our own testimony. These are things that we've experienced from ours. Like I'm sure, you know, as I was talking to, to Tom, he's like, Hey, I, I still do those things where for me, uh, this past week, I just went and visited somebody that has attended our church since we got this building that I just said in the eighties. And they still don't feel comfortable to come back because they're living in assisted living. They still fear that if something happened to them, they would bring it back. And they struggle with the fact that that would be, um, you know, they may put others that they live with in harm's way. And so I finally got a chance, but honestly, going there still in this day and where we're at, I mean, I had to sign off for, you know, all the different things and, and paperwork and, um, that I, you know, did have a vaccine and that I do haven't had all these things. And, uh, then I had to wear a mask the whole time. So those things still exist, obviously with where I'm at, as we move forward. Um, I wonder if, you know, we talk about in context of church, I wonder what societies will still hold on to some of those things, because, um, I think some of this won't go away. I mean, you know, we think of anything in, in any kind of phobia, uh, you know, there's probably been some things that have developed during this time for some people that will hang around for a lot longer than they will for others. And again, just feeling okay to do that. You talked about that, whether that's from local government point of view, um, man, we know this to be true from the Bible, like fear is a real thing. And if people submit to that, if they buy into that, and I'm not here on a soapbox to say, well, if you have this, your lack of it, or you don't like, that's not my point point is realizing that these people all are dealing with it at a different rate just like again like i said in our testimony so how do we love people how do we reach them at their point of need and how do we do those things and that's that's going to be an ongoing question as we go but part of it is being aware of your surroundings being engaged with your surroundings and then how do you help do that so that's you know we have other lists of some things here of, of things that are now commonplace that uh i I don't think that I had ever done a zoom prior to uh, the pandemic. I know that's more of the brand, but it will probably zoom calls. Cause you have your Microsoft, uh, you know, hang out in, in Google, like out, you know, like different ones that they all have, but um, you know, zoom may become the part where it's like Kleenex. Well, it, it's facial tissue, but there is a brand called Kleenex. I'm sure zooms will now live on probably, for those things. But yeah, there's just yeah. a lot that's gone there, but yeah, jump back in. What does that, what does that look like for you? I mean, I, I've kind of talked a little bit about for me that that's been a hardship, uh, but we have found again, ways to engage. And again, that's the perspective that you have to look at because if you look for opportunities for negativity, oh, they're a plentiful and you will just render yourself. I probably spend half my day on uh, the fetal position on my floor if I did that, but uh, that's not what yeah. God's called me to. And so we look for those areas. So again, 
if, if I'm looking for a new conduit or a new wine skin for that, uh, some of the things that inform me are going to be, uh, I serve on the Maple Leaf Community Council. So what does our community need? Talking with our District 4 representative for our city council, uh, Alex Peterson. So we found out that we need childcare. So we have a child center and we have those things. And so we engage in different ways. And so again, that doesn't just fall all on me to recreate that, but being in touch, where's the need? How are we equipped and how can we do that? Yeah. So, and like you said, again, in our context, I know I'll say is that we been very open about, have been, have been in very different environments, right. As far as kind of government regulations and, and kind of just the general population opinion on, on all the things from vaccinations to mass to, you know, whatever. Sure. And it would that say though, is it's not gone here. I, I mean, to, like I said, we were talking about, yeah, you had to do all that. Like I haven't had to do that as far as like, you know, sign off or then put on a mask to see people. Like I haven't had to do that in Idaho in probably a year. Yeah. Right. And, and so that has been, uh, I mean, we, we did have to do it right at, at one point, but, but, you know, again, that's me. And yet I also just got a note from just a, a incredible, you know, faithful couple in our church that we have not seen since the start of the pandemic. Right. right. Uh, but, but they, they've been faithful online. They literally sent me a note. They sent it a, just a, an incredible blessing gift to my family. Um, you know, and again, got to know, it's just like, we're still on every week. Like we miss you guys, you know, but again, they have like elderly parents they're caring for, they got whatever. And they're like, we just can't risk coming to church. Right. And, and so I, again, I mean, we, you know, we have, we have it all across the board. And I think, you know, I think we're all dealing with that. And so, you know, part of it is, is I think that's a next reality. Just knowing that our congregation makeup is never going back, right. That we're always going to have people probably from this point on and whether it's COVID or it's the next virus that comes out, right. Or whatever it is, we've set a new precedent in our culture that, that we of how we're going to deal with, with these diseases. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so we, you know, I mean, we're always going to be dealing with it and we're always going to have people in our, all of our churches that are all, all across the spectrum on their own opinions and commitments and, and things that they will and will not do. So, uh, you know, I think that's part of it as a church leader is knowing that we just have to embrace that in some ways and still, like you said, just care for our flock the best we can. And, you know, again, and, and that, that might look like, you know, cards and Zoom meetings instead of face-to-face meetings and, you know, and all, all these in-person services. Like, and, and again, that's probably never, never going to go back. And so I guess that, that's one of the first things that we have on our list that, that has changed dramatically, especially in the church world is the use of technology. And so I will say, and just like you mentioned it, and that's, it has been the general trend. I think we've seen that and we've experienced that even in our context, because we're both in smaller churches as compared to, you know, the, the national, you know, size churches in America, I guess the, you know, again, we're in, I mean, my church is definitely a bigger congregation than yours is at this point, but, but this kind of 200 and under churches were able to, like you said, pivot a lot easier and faster um, into this. And so even though, like you said, a lot of churches have closed in the last few years that, um, but the all, same is also true as I think the, the churches that have thrived the most in this environment have been those smaller to, you know, middle-sized churches, like I said, about 200 and under right? Because they were able to adapt. And again, even, you know, just like letting know all of your people of whatever you're going to do that Sunday was a whole lot easier when your list is 75 people, you know, versus a thousand in a, you know, at, at a, at a really big church. So, 
but the other side of that was that a lot of those big churches had a bigger advantage going in because they had a better technology presence, right? And, you know, they had, they already had a web presence. They were, a lot of them were already live streaming their services, right? They had, um, they had a, a kind of a, a, an advantage on the technology side. Uh, and so, but that is one thing, like I said, we had on our list too, that, that's just, that's different in a minute, in a post COVID world for churches is our use of technology. Like you said, we're going to probably use zoom for stuff, you know, or whatever platform you're on. Right. Like we're going to be using that and the church for a long time. Uh, again, I mentioned live streaming, right. There's for, like you said, most churches and you mentioned that, right. That we all ended up being televangelists and none of us thought we would do that. Um, and, and yet we all did during the pandemic. Now, again, there's been some churches that have abandoned that again. And then there's been others that have embraced it and said that we're, we're going to just continue to do it. I'll tell you, Oregon Trail, we have committed that we're just going to continue to do it. Uh, and so, you know, part of that is because we were, uh, we have invested into the, the equipment and, you know, in order to do it well and, and, and develop that web presence a little, a little better than we had pre-pandemic. And we already had a lot of this stuff set up, but like I said, we've gotten better cameras. We've gotten a better video mixer. You know, we've established those live stream platform places better than we had them before. And so we, we are committed that we're going to continue to live stream. And, and again, I, you know, a lot of churches have to make that decision. And, and so to say that though, but we're never going to go back right to not live streaming. And now because we have the infrastructure in place, our teams have adjusted and it's, it's just simply just not a lot of work or expense at this point for us to keep doing it. And yet we have seen God use it in awesome ways. Again, I just told you about that couple, right. That stayed connected uh, through it for it. It has been an absolute world changer for, especially for a lot of our elderly and our shut-ins and our aging congregation members. Um, for them, like they have it, they embraced it and they, they learned the technology and they've been able to stay con very connected a lot more, you know, where in the past pre pandemic, they would have just been very disconnected to our church. And now they've been able to stay connected uh, in that way. The other major game changer that again, that we've seen with the live stream and with our web presence is for those that have busy schedules, whether they travel for work or those sports families, right. That are out of town for tournaments or whatever it is. Um, a lot of them, again, rely on our live stream, even if they don't watch it live, um, but yet they do because we watch our metrics, right? And like our, our plays and our metrics go up throughout the week. And so I know, in fact, we see kind of a spike on Wednesday uh, on our plays because we have sermon discussion follow-up small groups, right? And so we have people that, again, we're out of town or traveling or out for work, whatever it was on Sunday, but then they watch the sermon, you know, on those different platforms uh, before they come to their small group. And so again, we see that spike in our metrics, right? So again, we see how people are using that. So definitely technology, that's one thing, like you said, the Zoom meetings, they're not going away. So, uh, you know, the live streaming, web presence, kind of all that. And again, many would argue probably, you know, that again, that the church should have been on the front end of the technology use, uh, pandemic or not. And the reality is that we just weren't. And I think part of it is just because of, we were lazy. Some of it was probably, like you said, our fear and we kind of adapted that. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure there's lots of reasons why most churches had not embraced those technology platforms, uh, pre pandemic, but definitely in a post COVID world, it is a reality that every church is dealing with. All of those things have really, uh, <laughs> created a, an opportunity for us to, change that that bandwidth and like you said it's not um 
other than the initial startup of them, now they're not costing us a ton. Uh, like different part for my church is, you know, is like the, the city has become more expensive to live in. And, and this is, you know, from Boise, people have moved out to where you guys are, but even now they're going to start moving out further from that. Right. And so uh, like for us, we're a commuter church. And so zoom helped create something in a big, you know, metropolitan area, you know, top 25 population of Seattle, it was very tough to coordinate midweek services or men's groups and stuff like that, because someone could be going through traffic and having to get here uh, was difficult because we were a commuter. They're not all local in, the, in that context within, we'll say within three miles of the church. And so this has given us, again, is a, is a time to lean in a little bit more um, flexibility to meet, to do those things. And so, yeah, we've, <laughs> we leaned in. In fact, it came up, you know, with just in the past bit of renewing our Zoom because we have the, you know, one of the business type ones where you can host more people. And we've, again, uh, the year before we had our annual business meeting, we had to do it through Zoom, which was totally different than in the past, right? Normally you're there, you can vote, you sign in in person and all those things, even for formalities, but we had to do and, you know, adapt in a new way. So we just re- upped our Zoom because it is an effective tool. It does help us um, to communicate with with other people, allows them all to feel safe. And like, I guess for me, again, I probably have more, um, I'm in a very liberal area, but I have a lot of obviously conservative people that attend our church. There can be variances of opinion because our culture around us and, and people, like what I would say is one of the things that's helped us navigate it is again, not to be super corny with who we are with the church of God, but there is a line that says, even the website, you know, we're talking about web-based stuff. Jesus is the subject and like, not to just be dismissive, like these are real things. But I think even if we sat there and we hammered these things out till we're blue in the face, there's going to be people on both sides of it. And so remembering that in this process, your brother or your sister may have a different point of view. In fact, that's been the case even in, in our church. There's been some from the same family that have very differencing views on how this plays out or what's safe or what should be. And it's like, is that about Jesus? Because if it's not, then it's not going to take the forefront. And so like, not that we're just trying to um, run away from it, but knowing that people could come from a different viewpoint, we come from a different yeah. part and we're all like even in our faith walk as you talked about development and those things people are at different stages in in their faith walk why wouldn't they be at different stages as they live out life and stuff as well so like we've had yeah. to have a lot of grace uh around where we're at because it's just so different and it's so different from you know people even within our own congregation the culture we live in and so yeah we've really uh, had to have a lot of grace, but those things are the web presence, all of those things that you just listed. Uh, you know, even like you said, digital pieces, you know, now we do more of, I actually had someone ask, like, can we get a paper version of something? Because I, I didn't get the, the midweek blast. And I was like, wow, that's, that's kind of a, a crazy part. Cause we were just, again, and we had a lot of school stuff left over. And uh, one of the 
the volunteers that's here that used to teach here was helping. And she's like, what do I do with all these dictionaries? <laughs> and so we have like, you know, like this huge classroom set of dictionaries, uh, you know, probably like 45 from a couple classrooms or something that we could use. It's like, man, people use that even when our school closed, they had laptops. So they have apps, they have things that are just more streamlined. Yeah. And like, I, I was just, when you were reading, I still have like my big old study Bible. And so this is, well, here, I'll, I'll cause they're here. Not that this was planned. I, I have a lot of books that, but I still have like my ESV and my NIV study Bible. So my MacArthur one and, and, and otherwise like, cause that's how I was trained. Like I still go back to those things. That's kind of like my Linus comfort blanket in the sense of when I'm doing my prep, it's there. But if I'm doing a smaller, like just reading, I have this one that's there. And oftentimes this is where if I'm reading for a communion and stuff, I, I'm, I'm here. So um, yep. all those things, you know, just finding a balance, you know, if we are in the classroom, we tell it, then we tell it again, then we tell it uh, some more, but bulletins all those things you know like the the meet stand and greet your neighbor uh we don't take offerings and stuff anymore right like we take donations in in boxes when they come in and so like we uh, yeah we we try to take those things and then lean into them again so it's like we could either condense uh the service a little bit more and or know that these this hour, whatever your service time is, is so much more like impactful in those things and you can discuss them, but it just, there wasn't a, like we talked about some of the bigger churches. There was a lot of things that were built in that sometimes we could, you know, say that was, it was fluff maybe. So. Sure. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, so again, just to kind of review our concepts we talked about one, we're just, we're never going back to a pre COVID world. So we need to embrace the post COVID world. Uh, we talked about use of technology and how, Again, this this has brought churches kind of up to date in a lot of ways, right? And and with the rest of our culture on using technology. And then you brought up kind of the, the next thing we had written down, which was just, I mean, when we go back to our in-service or in-person services, um, what do those logistics look like? Because those have changed. And like 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 you just addressed as some of those ones for you guys, I'll tell you, yeah, like the Again, our our offering um, again, we have not passed an offering plate, uh, you know, since since before the pandemic. And again, that that was one of the things in our in person services that we, um, you know, we still did right. We still had the ushers come forward and pass the plates through the rows, you know, and and again, that was obviously just a huge big no no, right? When even when we opened up. Uh, you know, back to in-person services coming back to just all the midst of it. And like I said, again, we were shut down a very short amount of time compared to, to most other churches. Um, but, but again, we came back and that was one of the things we're like, no, we're just not doing that. And so we, we went to, again, the, the box on the wall in the foyer and everybody doing that. Right. And, and, but like you say, it, it eliminated that, that part out of our service and, and it, it did uh, just make it more efficient. Right. And, and again, we decided that we, Hey, you know what, we're, we are never going to pass a plate again. And, and the reality is that it, it actually changed our giving patterns very dramatically within our church and, and where, you know, uh, pre pandemic, our giving really trended with attendance, right? Like again, on a highly attended Sunday, our offering would be big. 
on, on a low attendance Sunday, our offering would be smaller. And we saw that and it, it would just, it would naturally trend with attendance. And yet through the pandemic, like I said, what part of it was just adding the box as well as um, embracing online giving. And again, we had some online giving platforms set up, but we were not actively taking ties and offerings through online giving. Right. So like I said, we, we were kind of starting that, but, and so we, we uh, again, finished that and really, you know, promoted that as well as promoted other things. And again, one, one of the things that we did just because of the online giving, you know, comes with all those fees. And that's one of those questions we've had in the last several years at our annual business meeting is always like, what's this line item? How do, why did we spend this much money to, to whatever this is? And we're like, that is the online fees that we have paid. Right. You know, and people are, which nobody should be shocked by that anymore. I don't know why they, they realize that like when you swipe or use your card, whether it's online or to swipe it, that the business has to pay fees for you to use that convenience. It is not free. Right. And and so again, as a church, we have to pay those fees. And so that's aligned, you know, in our, in our budget, right. In our expenses. And, right. and so well, again, that, like it's, that's the part where like, even if you go to a, a minute mark, they have like a purchase minimum or they tack on a 50 cent fee or something like that. Yeah. Um, exactly. One thing that we've done with ours was uh, our platform gave us the opportunity to give our congregates a chance if they give online that if they want to pay the fee they could put that in or allow the church to do it so it, it they can yeah. opt out of it um one other way just as a resource since we're, we're on it and i'll let you go again on that but um was when you do like bill pay uh, and so like we've courtney and i've had to talk about like our tithing is not a bill pay so we've kind of almost like have to like close it down or, or schedule it and then like reopen it up because that's kind of like the self-examination piece of like just humbly giving mm -hmm. it. I don't want it to become like a bill uh, that it, it's something more than that. It's a first fruit kind of posture. Um, sure. But if you do it through your bill pay for us, this was one of those ways that we were able to alleviate that. So our bank cuts that check and then it just gets sent to our church um, and they do it that way without that. So you can still do it digitally in that context without doing it. Of course, we're still one of those crazy people that we have a checkbook. I think it's the only check we ever write if we have to write it, but, but it's yeah. still there and it still exists. But there is a more digital part like that, that you can schedule it through your bank and they can do it. And that saves your church. Again, some of those things and some of those money, but yeah. statistically speaking, you are accurate. What they found was if we pay a percentage point on this, the amount of giving, the volume is so much greater than that percentage that you thought you were going to lose because it makes it easier for people to give, including year-end gifts, which have been historically one of the bigger ones that people can give that if they forget or they didn't make a service or they're traveling and those things. So sorry, I wanted to jump in with a resource that we use. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's where I was headed was, and actually we've used that opportunity to say, hey, there is a way you can give digitally without you know, paying those fees. Right. And, and yeah, so again, and, and, and that is the way that we give to the church as well is through bill pay. Right. And, and we've encouraged people to use that service because it is, that is a free service at your bank for most banks. Like, and I'll say, you know, I guess that maybe that might not always be true, but if you're at a bank that doesn't have that free service, by the way, you need to change banks, by the way. Um, <laughs> But anyway, yeah, so, so yeah, I mean, that, and that has changed, you know, changed our giving patterns dramatically. And, and, and like I said, and that's been a very positive thing, right? Um, 
you know, it, it has enabled people to, you know, yeah. And like, again, we've, we've switched online platforms and we've done that too, where, yeah, where now the one we use does have, again, the, the option, if they use their debit card, it, it does say, you know, check the box for you to pay the fees. Um, but then ours has also just not now our online platform has the, the ACH option built into that platform. So, so they can, again, just like you can do on a lot of websites, right? If you just put in your account number and your routing number, you know, and then it'll just auto deducts it. And the fees are a lot less to do it that way than to actually run your debit card. So, um, so again, there's just different ways. And, and so definitely embrace that again, if you haven't embrace that yet as a church, uh, you know, talk to, to your treasurer, to your board and just get that. Cause we've seen a very dramatic change in our giving patterns, uh, to the positive, you know, uh, yeah. way, uh, you know, in, there, in, in, in embracing those, those alternate ways other than just passing the plate. And it's different. Right. And the, so that's the point of where we're at. Like for you, that could be, like you said, it was so tethered to attendance. So during the winter months, if you guys get snow and people don't show up, that's not a huge concern anymore. Like you can put yeah. safety over sometimes uh, like we need to be open or if we're closed for a couple of weeks, this could really take a hit on the bottom line. That's no longer a hindrance. You can make a well-informed thing for me in Seattle because we have the moniker and it doesn't rain as much as everyone says, but it does. So during the summer months, that's when a lot of people are gone to just like there, but I mean, they enjoy the outdoors. And so there's a lot of reasons it's going to be different for everybody, but knowing how that works so that you can be, a, you know, ahead of the curve. Um, yeah, it, it's a freeing moment. Yeah, you know, and we're just we're talking about service logistics again It's still like, again, commute. We did change how we did communion during the pandemic, but now we've gone we've gone back to our traditional way and, and we are passing the, the elements through the through the rows again. And just, we've you know, we've gone gone back to that. Um, again, there's like the stand and greet time in the service, you know, where everybody shakes their hands and it's just an awkward time. I'd say we have not done that Oregon trail for many years. We had already abandoned that a long time ago for, for non-pandemic reasons. Uh, and, but again, I think there's, there's been, I'm sure a lot of churches that again, obviously couldn't do it during the pandemic time, even if they were open, that people didn't want to shake hands or be that close to people or they have, you know, opposite rows or whatever it might be. So um, again, that I think to me, that was a trend that needed to die in the church that I think the pandemic has killed, uh, completely, which I hope, because again, like I said, that's probably a different podcast to go into all the reasons why we stopped doing it. But, um, I don't know. Do you, do you guys still do a time like that? We don't have the meet and greet, but what we have is we've extended our ushers out, uh, to like the entrance and stuff like that. So that people, if they're coming at this point, the hope is that they're, they've been missing that community. And so there's not a place or a space for that in the formal sanctuary kind of service part for it, but there is a welcoming vibe that is there. And so like, that's where we just kind of adjusted that it allows, like you said, for other reasons, people to engage at a level at which they desire instead of sitting there as a first time and feeling awkward, yeah. like sitting there, like, forced, I don't know yeah. anyone. And like, now I got to say, so we've kind of addressed it in that way. Um, so we've just kind of beefed up our opportunity to engage with just welcoming people. So that's more important, yeah. like in the sense of, as they come on, this might be the first time again, like you said, I've had people that have shown up that said, we've never been to a service uh, here before, but we've been watching online. So um, yeah, that they, there is a different piece because although we have this media piece, there is something different 
uh, about being with someone um, in, in person. So like, it's tough to substitute that piece when you know that you're praying with somebody. Um, but yeah, we're, we're rolling. We're, we're, we've got those things and we're ready to, to see what the next season has in store and, and how do we continue to pivot. And so we're, we're all for it. Yeah. So again, as we look at that again, the other thing we talked about can you just real quickly, cause we want to stay within our type constraints. And I know that again, where our, our episode time is coming to a close, but one of the other thing was just, was how our communities have changed. And again, and whatever community you're in, like I said, again, I'm in, you know, more rural Idaho, you're in urban Seattle. Um, and yet both of our communities have changed dramatically, right. Um, in the last few years. So again, just address your community. What needs are there that weren't there before? I'll tell you again, we've, I kind of talked about a little bit on here, but you know, we we're looking at opening a Christian day school or, or preschool daycare in our community, because again, COVID has changed that, that need dramatically. Right. So um, again, that's just something that we're looking at rising up to, to meet um, because our community is just, is in need of that. Um, again, there's, you know, there's, there's likely very different needs in your community now than there were uh, pre COVID. And so, which is also just a huge opportunity for the church to be the church, right. And to serve our communities and to, to show the love of Christ, not just through religious services, but, but through like, um, again, community involvement. And like you said, you serve on your Maple Leaf deal. I serve in the Middleton Chamber of Commerce. Like there's, you know, there's lots of different ways again, that we can jump in. And just from those perspectives, like you need to be asking that question too, in this post COVID world, because your community is very different. The way people are doing business is different. The way that they're, you know, again, just consuming lots of different things. Um, you know, the, the needs that potentially your church can, can meet are different than they were, um, you know, pre pre pandemic. Right. And like you said, with those gatherings and, and the involvement with the community and events, like, so when we've been having our MLCC like meetings, we're still doing those through Zoom. We haven't met in person for a neighborhood meeting yet. And so like some of those things are there. And I, I guess the one part I would say is know your surrounding again, that's being engaged with your community, but knowing what it is, because I think sometimes, although we may feel that we're ready to move forward in that, and again, I get that I'm in a unique situation where I am, but one of the things we had to balance early on or whatever the next wave was, was although we may feel ready and we're meeting and we're doing things, some of our neighbors might not. So remembering how are we witnessing to them? Um, so part of that we had to take into consideration of early on when it was, you know, chicken little, the sky was falling is if we decided to just forge ahead. And although we felt led to do that, how was that going to be received by our neighbor? Right. Cause one of the, the great sure. commandments is love your neighbor as yourself, love your God completely. And those two kind of got intertwined in that of, well, how do we honor God, but love our neighbor? If our neighbors see us as a bunch of weirdos that just meet regardless of what mandates or those things, then we're reckless. And if that's what's being communicated to them, how do we love on them? And so I'm not saying compromise who we are. We're in a, we say serve a triune God that we don't have to compromise anything, but just understand how we're communicating those things moving forward as well. Absolutely. But I, again, I did, as we move forward, there is hope, right? If you're, if your church is still open, right. Then God still needs you. Um, and, and even if your church isn't open, then find one that you can engage with and, and keep moving forward. But, uh, but yeah, we will embrace again, this post COVID world and, uh, and again, just follow God's leading and, and fulfill all the ministries of our, the ministries he's called us to.
All right. See you guys next time. Acts 20, 28. So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. The Acts 2028 podcast is a broadcast production of In His Grip Publishing. Our theme music is Achievement by Giovanni Bruno. We'd love to hear from you on our social media accounts or through email. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Acts 2028 Podcast. Or send us an email at Acts 2028 Podcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, leave us ratings and reviews, and even give us your email so you can be notified of new episodes. Thank you for listening. And until next time, we hope that you will lead wherever God has put you. And together we can all live out Acts 2028 as we serve in the established church.